be good to have the Bibles open at Psalm 90, that we'll be thinking about together this morning. Do you have hopes and desires, perhaps ambitions and aims that you have for 2023? Are there things you'd like to happen, things you'd like to do? Do you have fears for what 2023 may bring? Are there perhaps regrets even over 2022 that you hope won't be repeated this year? But it's good as we enter a new year to stop and to think it's a good opportunity to do that. We often need to do that, and a New Year's Day is a very appropriate moment to look back and to look forward, and above all, to look up, to look up to God. Think about our lives in the light of who God is. And Psalm 90 helps us to do that. This song that Moses wrote is still relevant 3,500 years or so on from when he wrote it. It's a song for God's people to sing to him. It's a song that also teaches us about God and about ourselves. And it ends with a prayer for God's blessing on our lives. So here are three things that we need to do as we enter a new year. Not just now. Not just today, but every day of the year. first thing that we need to do, that this psalm teaches us, is to think carefully about God. Think carefully about God. Psalm starts like this, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now Derby is a long way from the sea. We like Derby, we like being able to go uh, around Derby in the countryside, but one thing Derby doesn't have is coastline, isn't it? It's as as far away from the sea as you can get in this island nation. But if you ever visited, perhaps on holiday, uh, a harbour where boats are tied up, have you been there on a, on a windy day, perhaps? I know Peter will have been, because he grew up uh, by the sea. Have you stu- stood on a harbour wall on a windy day, and uh, the boats are being blown about, and they're tugging at the ropes that hold them inside the harbour? On the outside of the harbour wall, the waves are crashing, and perhaps spraying the water up uh, towards you. Well, the boats are in the harbour are firm because they are they're safe because they're tied to something firm. Many people today in our world all around us are without a firm anchor in their lives. They're like a boat that's drifting outside the harbour on the open sea, on a stormy sea, blown this way and that, ready to tip over. Why is that? 
people, it's because they don't know God. And so Moses, he begins this psalm with God. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. <coughs> How does Moses speak to God? He says, Lord. God is Lord. That's Adonai in Hebrew. That means God is ruler over us. He owns us. He has complete authority over us. He's our master and we are his servants. And that may seem frightening that God is in complete control of us, that he is over us. But to Moses, it's comforting. This great and powerful God is our dwelling place, is what Moses says. But what does it mean that God is our dwelling place? Well, a dwelling place is a home, somewhere where we live, where we stay. What do you appreciate about your home? Uh, we expect our homes to be where we're kept warm and dry. We're safe from the wind and the rain. In the summer, we can get out of the heat. Uh, Ali was telling me about how hot it is in his home city, the hottest place on earth, and you need to come inside into the air conditioning out of that blazing sun. And our homes do that for us. They provide places of safety, places where we can eat well, where we can spend time with our friends, and where we can rest peacefully. Well, God is the dwelling place of his people, the home, if you like, of his people. After God chose Abraham to be his friend, Abraham and his descendants lived in tents. Isaac, Abraham's son, and Jacob, they both lived in tents. Abraham's grandson, Jacob. They didn't have houses, but God was their dwelling place. He was their home. He was their true shelter. God kept them safe. When God's people lived in Egypt temporarily, they had houses. But it wasn't their houses that kept them safe, but God. They were oppressed by Pharaoh, but God kept them alive. And after God rescued them from being slaves in Egypt, they again lived in tents. But it was God who was their refuge. God gave them protection. He was their home, their dwelling place. With God, we are safe. With God, we are provided for. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, forever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Do you like mountains? I do. I remember the first time I saw a mountain when I was 10 years old. It was Snowden, or Urwudra, I think as it's now got to be called. Uh, I will correct my pronunciation <laughs> afterwards. But mountains are great places. They show us how small we are. They're big places. But here, the picture is how long-lasting mountains are. You know, the mountains that Moses knew, that he knew of, are still here today. They're still there. You can go and see them. The mountains of Sinai in modern-day Egypt, the mountains of Ararat in Turkey, both of which 
that Moses spoke about in, in Genesis and in Exodus and so on. Well, more than 2,500 years ago, King Darius the Great of Persia had writing carved on the side of a mountain in three different languages. And that writing is still there today. You can go and see it if you visit Iran, and Mehdi will be able to tell you all about it. The Behustun mountain and the writing that's been carved there 2,500 years ago. Well, mountains are some of the longest lasting things in the world. But even mountains aren't long lasting compared to God. God made the earth itself. He made the mountains. God has always been God. And he always will be God. God <coughs> never changes. God is forever. Before the mountains were brought forth, forever you had formed the earth and the world, even from, ev from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is eternal. It's this God who is the home of his people. Our true home is eternal. The very next Psalm, Psalm 91, opens with these words, starts with these words. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, shall stay and remain and dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Whatever happens to us in 2023 or in years beyond that, if God spares us, whatever happens... If God is our home, our dwelling place, then we are safe. Not just now, but for all eternity. We don't need to worry about the coming year, about 2023, because God is our dwelling place. Is God your dwelling place? <coughs> is he the one you have taken shelter in? Moses teaches us then to think carefully about God, to consider God. Moses teaches us, secondly, to think seriously. Think seriously about your own life. Moses is still speaking to God in this song as he goes on in verse 3. He's still speaking to God, but now we begin to learn about ourselves. What's the big truth about our lives that Moses points out very powerfully in the next few verses. Well, it's this. We will die. The big truth that Moses points out about our lives is that our lives will end. We will die. He says in verse 3, you turn man to destruction and, you, and say, return, O children of men. Here's a serious thing that we need to think about, all of us. We will die. So many people go through life ignoring this reality, pushing this truth to one side. They don't want to remember <coughs> the fact that we will die. Here's how the ESV translation puts it in verse 3. It says to God, You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. It's the same verb, return, that's used twice there in the Hebrew in that verse. You 
return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. God made man from dust originally in Genesis 2. It says that, Genesis 2, verse 7. And he returns us to dust or to powder, as the word here literally means in Hebrew. God returns us to dust. God will cause our bodies to disintegrate into powder, to go back into dust. From God's perspective, our lives are so, so short, aren't they? Even Methuselah's life was short. You can read about him in Genesis 5. He lived for not quite a thousand years. But what does Moses say? Uh, It says in verse 4 of Psalm 90, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. God is eternal, but we are here only for a short time. God, who gives us every breath that we take, will one day take away from us his gift of life. We are here today and gone tomorrow. Can you remember, children, what you did yesterday? Maybe you can, because it's an unusual day. Uh, Perhaps you remember and you can tell me about it afterwards, what you did yesterday. What about the day before yesterday? Or the day before that? What were you doing on the 15th of April 2022? Now, unless that was a special day for you, perhaps your birthday or a wedding anniversary, I doubt you can remember anything (coughs) much. If I asked you what you were doing On the 15th of April 2022, none of you could really tell me unless it's a special day in your your own lives, personally. (coughs) Maybe you could find out what you did if you keep a diary, you went went back and and checked, and and you could then uh, find out what you did on that day. But otherwise, you won't remember it. Do you remember what you dreamed uh, last night? Any of the children remember what you dreamed last night? Well, you know you had some dreams, perhaps. But when you wake up, how quickly your dreams fade away. Your sleep is soon forgotten and you're on with a new day. Well, even our whole lives, never mind one day, our whole lives from God's perspective are like that. Quickly over. And even from our perspective, when we think about it seriously, we realise how soon our lives are actually over. Sometimes they seem long to us, but really... God will soon take them away and we'll be gone. It's hard to realise that, perhaps when you're young, but the older we get, the faster time seems to pass. We will die. That's the reality that Moses brings to our attention here in this psalm. We need to ask this, why will we die? Why will we die? Because Moses teaches us about that too. Well, of course, we die because we age and our bodies wear out eventually, or perhaps because we're injured in an accident, or because we get sick and die of disease. And even young people sometimes die suddenly, unexpectedly, and it's a shock. But why? Why do do those things happen to us? 
For Moses tells us in verse 7, For this reason we have been consumed by your anger, God. By your wrath we are terrified. Uh, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance or your presence. The reason we die is sin. That's the reason that we will all die. That's why our lives are short, because we are rebels against the Lord who made us, the one who owns us and who made us, and yet we have rebelled against him and gone our own way. God made the first man and woman good, able to live forever, but they disobeyed God, and just as God had warned them beforehand, now dying you shall die, Genesis 2, verse 17. And we can read about how they fell into sin in Genesis 3. <coughs> Ever since Adam and Eve, generations have come and generations have gone. Children are born and rejoice, and yet those children will one day die, however long or short we live. Verses 7 and 8, again, ESV puts it like this, For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. God sees and knows our sin. We like to think that we can hide our wrongdoing, that we can do it in a dark corner where maybe our parents can't see, or... Other people at church can't see, and yet we can't hide from God. God knows it all. God sees all that we do, and it's because of his wrath, his holy and righteous anger against our sin that we die. The eternal God can't allow us as sinners, sinful people, to go on living forever and sinning and sinning and sinning more and more. We need to face up to these truths like Moses does in this song. Verse 9, he says, For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labour and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Well, it's not just at the end of our lives, but throughout our lives, God is reminding us of how fragile we are, how vulnerable we are, that we are on our way to the grave, really. We experience frustration and difficulties, and we experience pains and disappointments and grief and sicknesses and so on. That's the reality of life on this earth, of life under the sun. But the writer of Ecclesiastes, if you know that book of the Bible, he talks about it. Life under the sun. We live in a fallen world, a world that's under God's curse because of sin. There's no escaping from that for any of us. The end is death. So we, so soon we depart this world. We have no more part to play under the sun. Moses says, verse 11, Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. Or who considers the power of your anger? 
and your wrath according to the fear of you. How few people stop to consider the power of God's anger against sin, that anger that brings death to humanity as a result of our sin. The fearful reality of God's anger, that the unchanging, eternal Lord of all creation is angry against our sin. Well, have you faced up to the reality that you will die? Have you faced that reality for yourself? Well, you think, might think, well, these are very sad and depressing things to talk about on New Year's Day. We want to have our thoughts cheered up, perhaps. But these things are for our good. Moses doesn't want to leave us in despair. He shows us these serious truths, yes, but he shows us how to respond to them. When we think carefully about God, when we consider our own short lives, here's what we need to do. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. That's what Moses does. Verse 12. Teach us to number our days. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Moses asks God to teach us to number or to count our days so that we remember our lives are only short. Why is that? It's not so that we will pass all our days in despair, but it's so that we'll become truly wise. Because true wisdom is in knowing God, in thinking rightly about our own lives in relation to God and in calling out to God to save us. Because amazingly, this great eternal Lord is one who comes near to us. So Moses teaches us to cry out to God. He says, teach us to number our days. What else does he cry to God? He says in verse 3, return, O Lord. Return, O Lord. How long? And have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. There's that word return again for the third time in this psalm. Not God returning us to dust this time, but God returning to his people. God coming back to his people. Yahweh, the Lord God, the God who keeps his covenant promises returning to his people. Come back to us, Lord, is what Moses is saying. Come near us again. That's Moses' prayer. Moses throws himself on God's compassion. He trusts in God's mercy, in his steadfast, faithful love. Give us joy, says Moses. Verse 15, make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. Now God's people uh, in the time of Moses went through terrible suffering in Egypt during 400 years they spent there. But then God came to them and brought them out. It was an amazing rescue. You can read Moses' song of praise in Exodus 15 when God brought them out 
of Egypt by that powerful act and that series of powerful acts that God did. Well, if Moses wrote Psalm 90 uh, before that event, well, God heard his prayer then. But bad news is that sadly that almost that entire generation that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness. Why? Because they refused to believe God's promises. See 1 Corinthians 10 and Hebrews 3, verses 16 to 19. For 40 years, God was angry with them. He made them wander in the wilderness. God exposed their sin. He brought into the open their secret sins, their hidden idol worship, their unbelief, hearts that wanted to go back to Egypt. And so Psalm 90 is an appropriate psalm for that time too. Return, O Lord. Like when you brought your, the people through the Red Sea, come back to us again. Do those mighty acts again. Make the 40 years wandering in the wilderness a distant memory. Verse 15. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Moses knew that the people's only hope was in God, their true dwelling place, their real place of safety. And God heard Moses' prayer. God brought Joshua and Caleb and a new generation through the River Jordan and into the Promised Land. What about us? How has God's work appeared to us? How has his power been shown to us? Well, above all, it was when God sent his own son into this world to save us from our sins. There's never been a greater display of God's power than that. But the Lord Jesus came to find lost sinners and to give us new life. He left, Jesus left his rightful dwelling place in heaven so that he could come and save us. <laughs> And as a man, as Jesus lived as a boy and as a man, God was his dwelling place too. He dwelt. His heavenly Father was his, still his dwelling place. He enjoyed his Father's presence every day. But then, on the cross, God the Father took away his shelter from his only Son. And there Jesus knew what it was to be outside God's dwelling place. In the outer darkness, God abandoned him, abandoned Jesus, so that he could have mercy on us. And on the cross, Jesus paid the price of our sin that we might go free, that we might enjoy God's dwelling place ourselves, enjoy God as our dwelling place. He suffered the penalty of death so that he might give us life. And we know, we remember on the first day of the week that Jesus rose again. He defeated death. And now, as man, as well as, as God, Jesus lives forever. He's back at his Father's side. And there he speaks to God for us. He intercedes for us. Hebrews 7, verse 25. He speaks to God on our behalf a bit like Moses does in this psalm on behalf of God's people, as he did for the Israelites, Moses did. But Jesus is the perfect 
man, the perfect son of God, a far better mediator than Moses. So it's through Jesus that God truly comes near us. That's how God can make his home with us and we can dwell with him forever. One day Jesus will come back. And almost the last words in the Bible say this, Revelation 22 verse 20. And John is speaking again, the Apostle John, uh, but it's actually the Lord Jesus who is testifying to John. Uh, Revelation 22 verse 20 he who testifies to these things says, the Lord Jesus speaking here, surely I am coming quickly. And John responds, Amen. Even so, let it be so, Lord. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Just like Moses said, return, O Lord, we should pray with John. Come, Lord Jesus. How we should look forward to that time when we will be with Jesus on the earth. We will reign with him on the earth. That's what it says in Revelation 5, as we read at the beginning of the service. We will be with Jesus on the earth, made new, in a perfect world, far better than even it was when God first made the mountains. If we are trusting in Jesus this morning, then this, then this eternal Lord is now our God, we are safe with him. We who were once far away have been brought near. God who was angry with us is angry with us no more. We have been reconciled to God. So Moses prays, verse 16, Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. Well, surely that should be our prayer as God's people today. We want to see and appreciate more of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We want to see more clearly the full glory of it. We want the children here to see it. And our children, our grandchildren, and we want future generations to see and appreciate what great things the Lord has done for us all. Sometimes, as God's people, our hearts are cold uh, towards God and we can easily slip back into sinful ways like many of God's people it's told of them in the Bible how they did that even people like David they slipped back into sin didn't they and we tend to do that in our hearts uh, often and it shows in our actions and in our words uh, often well sometimes God brings difficulties and he brings uh, problems our way to discipline us, to chastise us, and to bring us back to thinking rightly about him, thinking rightly again about our lives, putting him first in our lives. Sometimes the difficulties that we face are God's discipline because we're going away from him, we're straying from him in our hearts. But sometimes God also brings difficulties to test us and to strengthen our faith in him, like he tested the faith of Abraham when he made him wait uh, 25 years for the son he had promised. Uh, God tests our faith and he stretches our faith. It's like a muscle that needs exercising in order to grow is our faith. And so in our trials, we can remember that God is 
exercising our faith. He's teaching us to go on trusting in his promises. Joshua and Caleb held on to God's promises. They were true men of faith who held on to God's promises all the way through those painful 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And they taught the new generation God's ways. And when we experience difficulties, uh, we can be tempted to complain and to bemoan our lot. Instead, we need to be like Moses and to use our sufferings as a launch pad to call out to God. Take some of these prayers that Moses prayed and use them yourself. Pray through that psalm and others like it in the New Testament, uh, prayers from Paul and so on, and call out to God. God is still our eternal Lord. He is always at work. He won't fail in what he is doing, no matter how much it seems that things are chaotic in the world. God is working his purposes out. He is our dwelling place. He is our eternal home. We need to ask God to show us his true glory. And then our sufferings will seem smaller. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose hearts, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Well, Moses asks God for one more thing at the end of this song. It's basically this. Make our lives beautiful for you. Uh, Right there at the end of the psalm, verse 17. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So Moses puts this request into our mouths as God's people. That God would bless us and make us a blessing that his beauty or delight would be upon us, that our lives would bring delight to God himself and display his beauty to the world. Establish the work of our hands. That's a good prayer for a new year, isn't it? That means that God will make, we want God to make everything that we do worthwhile, whether we're working or resting, whatever we do, not just with our hands, is the picture in the psalm, but everything we do with our words, with our thoughts, uh, with all that we are, that it may be to God's glory. If we live in all that we do for God's glory, then all that we do will have eternal value. It's precious to God. Even though that our lives are short, they are precious to him, and our lives have true meaning if lived to God. Eternal value. God wants us to display his character in this world, to grow increasingly like Jesus, to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus has made us as his people. He said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. God has given each one of us work to do for him. When we suffer hardship without complaining, that's Jesus shining out of us, when we're kind to our brothers and sisters, 
whether our actual siblings or our brothers and sisters in Christ, our neighbours or those around us. Well, the Lord Jesus is shining through us. When we honour our parents, the Lord Jesus is shining through us. When we work hard because we're serving the Lord Jesus and not because our master's eye is on us, if we work hard in our homes, in our places of study or our workplaces, that's God's beauty shining through. That's the beauty of Jesus shining through us. Well, 2023 won't be a wasted year if we keep these things in mind. Whatever 2023 brings us, God is in control and the eternal God is our dwelling place. He is our true home, our safe place. One day we will die unless Jesus comes back first. But if we are trusting in Jesus, God is no longer angry with us. Jesus has promised us a home with him forever. While we look forward to that home, let us ask God to make our lives beautiful for him. Let's pray. <coughs> oh Lord, our God, we praise you for your words, praise you for Moses, the man of God, that leader that you raised up for your people in those days long ago, and yet who has so much to teach us in his desires, in his prayers to you. We pray to know you more. We pray that we would consider you, think carefully about God, how you are eternal, how you are the Lord who owns us, who holds our lives in your hands. You are the one who made us and the one to whom we are accountable. Help us to remember that our lives are short, that we will one day die, whether that day is near or far, none of us knows. We pray that you would help us to look to you. Lord, we pray, teach us to number our days, teach us to not live as though this life is everything, uh, to, to not live as though this life is for ourselves, but to remember that we belong to you. We pray that you would return to us and that you would come again to us, our God. Thank you that the Lord Jesus has come into this world, that he is God with us, that he is the one who gave himself for us, the one who is excluded from your dwelling place temporarily on the cross for our sake. We pray that you would go with us into this new year, that we may do everything we do, that we may speak and work and think and write or whatever we do for your glory, not selfishly, but for your glory and for others' good, and that you may draw other people to yourself through us, that the fragrance and that sweet smell of the Lord Jesus would be in our lives and that others would be drawn to that, that we would be the smell of life to many and not the smell of death. We pray that you'll give us courage to live for you, to speak in the way that Moses teaches us to think. 
we pray for your help then in these things. In Jesus' name, in his glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.